Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. It's Monday, October 23rd. Notre Dame coming off the bye week, and we start talking about the Pittsburgh Panthers, Notre Dame's opponent this weekend in Notre Dame Stadium. We had that discussion with Marcus Freeman at his Monday press conference. Tim, we didn't talk about a whole lot of groundbreaking news. We did talk a lot about uh, injuries, guys coming back. We didn't get anything definitive about that, but we will talk about the wide receivers that need to come back. Uh, and be up and running for Notre Dame to get a sweep here down the stretch of the remaining four games. Clemson a loser over the weekend, and so now the value of that victory, if Notre Dame were to get on November 4th, would be reduced a bit. But that's still going to be a tough environment, Tim, for for Notre Dame. But first, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, I had a chance to look at a bunch of film over the weekend. I know you you, uh, took a look as well, Tim. Uh, just your thoughts on Notre Dame's upcoming opponent this weekend. It's one of those games where we talked about this a little bit in instant analysis. The offense Pittsburgh is going to bring to the equation should not reach the end zone twice against Notre Dame's defense, if not blessed with short fields. I mean, it is a, what do you, you use? Stone age, prehistoric. I said stone age. You said prehistoric. Their offense has Sebo Flemister. Um, it has made the change at quarterback, of course, for Irish fans who do not know. You will not see Phil Dracovic out there. Tim, I don't know if you saw this, but there were analytics. Pat Narduzzi um, referenced that Dracovic was actually costing them points when he was on the field. <laughs> he said that? <laughs> it was like loosely referenced in a thing, yes. Oh. But I, I, you know, I still think they have a viable defense. Um, you make a great point with, they have 22 sacks this year, which is, which is you know, that's fine in, in seven games. But they used to make their wares defensively by pressuring the quarterback with their front four and playing that press man on the outside. People think of Pat Narduzzi and Michigan state's best defenses. It's not the same this year. And you started getting into it with your film review. It has to come from all levels now. And that does leave you vulnerable in one spot and something that Notre Dame is going to have to take advantage of. They're going to have to be able to use their wide receivers to beat Pittsburgh in this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they lost Kalijah Cansey, a first-round draft choice, defensive end for them last year. They also lost uh, Baldonado and Alexander, a couple of um, free agent uh, defensive ends that side in the NFL. I don't know if they made a roster, but I think anytime that you <laughs> that's you NFL know, worthy though, and that's a thing. Yeah, you're, no, exactly. Yeah. Anytime you're in a camp, I mean that. You know, usually those guys. When you hear a guy was in a camp, usually those guys were difference makers from the school that they came from, and they just. They really don't have that. Deion Hayes and Nate Temple, and those are your starting defensive ends. They haven't gotten it. They have not received a lot of productivity from them, but they'll bring their linebacker, Shane Simon, for Notre Dame, former Notre Dame linebacker, is tied for the team lead in sacks with three. So they, you know, it's pretty spread around, and their corners and, and safeties will will blitz, which gives you opportunities to hit some some deep shots, which was also a topic of conversation with yeah. Marcus Freeman today. And he said, Hey, they have to run when they want to run the football. And that's not easy against Pittsburgh all the time. 3.1 per carry once again. 
And uh, deep shots, well, that hasn't been a staple of Notre Dame's offense, but they will have some opportunities this weekend. And they got you have to hit them to loose to loosen it up a little bit, Tim, because you you can get away from Pittsburgh because getting away is seventeen to three going to the half is getting away from Pittsburgh because you can dictate the game at that point too. You get ahead twenty four to three, twenty to three. That's not an offense that comes back. But Pittsburgh will welcome the slog. They will welcome the you want to try to run the ball on us. We're more than happy to make you an inefficient rushing team and make it third and six. And Notre Dame has been so poor on third and third and fourth down, mostly third down in the last four games at 17 to 60, right? Combined third and fourth down. And what four of those 17 or fourth down conversions. Now you think, well, that, what's, what's the difference? I mean, you, you're giving up field position. If you don't get it, that's the difference. So you, if you put it away on third down, it's different. So I am, uh, I'm intrigued to watch this game. This is the one I pegged as a cheapo loss earlier in the year when you're trying to look for that upset pick. Now I think the upset pick already happened. The, the sleepwalk already happened against a better team. Um, of course, ironically, this team of Pittsburgh beat the better team, Louisville, that I'm talking about pretty handily, but that's college football. Um, you would think Notre Dame would be prepared for this one. I just don't, no matter what the point spread is of 19, if it starts at 19, goes to 17, I just don't see a cakewalk because both teams can play defense and that makes it, that makes it a second half game. It doesn't have to be a fourth quarter game. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tim. And I, I mean, let, let, let's state up front. Pittsburgh's not very good. I no, mean, it's, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to log them here. It's, no. I mean, they're not, they're not very good. And they, yeah, Sebo Flemister, I think, is running the football really nicely for them. I, I think he's a competent power five. <laughs> I like all the five. words you're using now well, and also no. the press conference. You're like, he's good. He's pretty good. He's nice. Yeah. He's competent. <laughs> it's all just. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I don't think that he's better than that, but I do. I think that he's the best running back that Pittsburgh has. And I think Shane Simon is one of the two best linebackers that they have. And, Phil Dracovic is not in the lineup. Now, Christian Veyer, that's how it's pronounced. It looks like Villeneuve. or Valet yeah. or anything like that, yeah. But it's Veyer. So yeah. um, we're thankful for that pronunciation. It's, it's easy. <laughs> uh, and, and everybody has to get accustomed to it going into this weekend. But here's the thing. Frank Signetti is their offensive coordinator. And if you have seen the last two Pittsburgh games, it has been very basic. They don't want to. They don't want to put them in a lot of uh, negative situations. Not as basic, however, as Wake Forest with San Santino Marucci as their starting quarterback, who who threw a touchdown pass with seven seconds to go to beat Pittsburgh. But they were really basic with Wake Forest. They're going to give Bayer a little bit more to work with. But this is still underneath throws. Mm -hmm. It's third and short, fourth and short. Generally speaking, they're running the football. It is a, it's not a, I, the Pittsburgh Way Forest game was not was not an enjoyable watch over the weekend. Uh, it was a must watch for me going into the weekend, but man, not very good. Took some discipline for you though. I want readers <laughs> to understand that Tim Priester normally watches the uh, opponent in our three hours in the press box prior to the other game. Well, on bye week, you had a TV available to you. So this is a, this is a nice effort. That's it your, adher good. your adherence to the, to the norm was good. is impressive. Yeah, it was fun. Popping back and forth. Saw Clemson, uh, Clemson lose. Clemson got a Clemson gave Notre Dame a break by losing that game though, because that game will not be at night. And if anything was going to be a problem, a little if you're going to heighten your problems going to Clemson, it would be a wild night atmosphere at Clemson. If Notre Dame's coming in there. Yeah. Yeah, right. thanks for mentioning that, Tim. By the way, the, the Clemson game will kick off at either noon or 3.30 Eastern time. 
I don't know when we'll have that. Will that be finalized today at some point? I, th- I think maybe. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they need to wait too. Usually there's the exception for the night game call, but they don't have to wait on that at this right. point. Right, right. Now, uh, Pittsburgh's not very good, but, you know, there. I think there are players that you need to, that Notre Dame needs to concern themselves with. I, I mean, I clearly think that, um, you know, their two corners, MJ Devonshire and then AJ Woods, I think are very good. Devonshire had his third pick six in the last year and a half. He had two yeah. last year. This was an 86 yarder against Louisville, and he's good. A.J. Woods is always around the football. Like I said, they'll bring those guys on blitzes. Pittsburgh's just a – I mean, they're kind of – they're they're a pain-in-the-butt team to play because you know they're going to be physical. They're like – you know, they reflect the head coach, Pat Narduzzi, who looks disheveled on the sideline, and his team generally plays disheveled. They had 13 <laughs> penalties over the weekend. I mean, they are not a – they are not a very disciplined football team. They've they've ranked in the hundreds in penalties. I if I said five, it may be the last six years, for at least five years, they've been in the bottom 10% of the country in penalties. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous because the bottom line for that is Pat Narduzzi's offense and defense have to play complementary football. And if you're if you're that heavily penalized all the time. You're not USC that can make up for it. Like if you said Caleb Williams, if they, yeah, the off USC's offensive line averages 30 yards in penalties a game and their receivers average 10 yards. All right. Well, then they just throw for yards and it doesn't really matter that much. This, this, you can't have Pittsburgh's offense behind the eight ball. It's, it's got to be maddening for him. But as you pointed out, sometimes it's, it's the aggressiveness on defense. That is part of it. They're not, not every penalty is, is, uh, a mental error. Some of it is how they play aggressively yeah. on defense. Yeah, they'll, they'll, I mean, they'll, they don't mind getting interference penalties. And, and this goes back to, to Narduzzi at yeah. Michigan State. I mean, they don't, they don't mind getting uh, interference penalties because the yardage is a lot less than if you give up a deep ball. So yeah. it makes perfect sense. They're very aggressive. They don't have any, any hesitation to be aggressive and to beat receivers up a little bit. And so they'll call that their, their offensive line is struggling their right tackle number 70 is in for a really lousy day against Devante Jean-Baptiste coming up uh, he is he really struggled against Wake Forest and you know Wake is not actually Wake's defense when we get to them in a couple of weeks their defense has done some good things here in recent weeks and it's coming on a little bit but, but that was a it was a it was a bad game to watch and Vayer if a guy's open and he has time he'll find him he'll see him and he'll get him the football, but the, the, he has a ton of timing issues with his wide receivers, which is expected because he's new, new to the starting lineup. Fortunately, Tim, it has been seven years since the living, breathing quarterback would beat another name defense because that is not how this one operates. No, no, that's that's not going to work. But again, you know, if if they're open, I, he'll find them. He's, he does have good vision. Um. We'll throw sidearm a little bit. Well, he, you know, he's really, he's given them a spark. There's no doubt. Um, but, you know, you know, remember when we were talking about the Duke Clemson game and I said, man, the statistics do not tell the story. Duke won by 21, but statistically it wasn't close. I didn't, I watched the Louisville pit game and I didn't realize how one-sided it was. Louisville 28 first downs, Pittsburgh 13. Uh three for 13 on third down Pittsburgh. They didn't play. They, I mean, a lot of respects, they didn't play very well. They were outgained by 150 yards. 
and they won by 17 points. There's going to be some three and outs this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there definitely will. Louisville turned it over three times. Jack Plummer went back to being Jack Plummer against Pittsburgh. Not against Norday. Against Pittsburgh, he went back to being Jack Plummer again. And uh, Pittsburgh outscored him 24 to nothing in the second half. So you'll have that. Two days of Pittsburgh, Monday and Thursday. People are going to be overloaded with Pittsburgh, but we got you ready to have you prepared. Yeah, we're a little ahead of schedule. Let's let's go ahead and jump back to the press conference today because we did talk about uh, injured players. I don't know that we got any clarity. I think we did on Colsey. I think Colsey, we got a little clarity on Colsey. Uh, Marcus Freeman said he's behind schedule. He had the scope a couple weeks ago. I think Colsey, if he's behind schedule of four games and five weeks to go, I think it's prudent for Notre Dame and for Colsey that he finishes with four games played. And then he can redshirt for Notre Dame or redshirt in any other way he wants. Yeah. I'm not sure what his long-term future is. I don't know either, but he, remember he played as a freshman. He played as a sophomore last year. He could use that year back um, for Notre Dame or for Notre Dame next year. And then for a grad transfer at other times, you know, that's it. I mean, Deion Colsey, when he was healthy this year, he had a, he had a good game against, against Navy. It was against Navy. He's a better athlete than them, but they, he, he has had okay moments. That Notre Dame can't be beggars and cho- I mean, beggars can't be choosers no, here no, either. No. But I don't think an unhealthy Deion Colsey should be playing for Notre Dame right now, or not fully back. Deion Colsey should no, play I eight six. Yeah. He had three targets, three catches against Navy, and we haven't seen him catch a pass. Yeah, a pass since. Now, as it relates to Jaden Thomas, Marcus Freeman said today that he was he was healthier for Louisville than he was for USC. He only had what about a dozen snaps, Tim, fourteen snaps, or yeah. Yeah, something that so he needed this week off, and you know, Great House did too. But again, we don't have any real actual clarity that those guys are suddenly suddenly going to hit the ground running this Saturday. It's probably hard to uh, on Tuesday to ever give clarity on hamstring injury wide receivers or corners because sure. they have to make it through Wednesday's practice and stuff like that. And yeah, at this point, you would think that they probably had plenty of time off last week. <laughs> Jaden Thomas and I would assume Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse yeah. had a lot of time off. Um, but Tuesday and Wednesday are the key for them. Notre Dame needs one of them. Notre Dame really needs two of them for the stretch run. They need one of them every game to help out a little. If you go back and kind of look at, I was trying to do this for Monday musings. And if you were to just do five or six best players, the last four games on offense and five or six, the first four games, you could put Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse in the first four games. And they're completely absent from it in the next four games. And that's not just the opponent. That's the fact that they weren't healthy. Yeah. They need, they do need something back there. Well, they need Jaden Thomas. I mean, they need the most experienced yeah. guy that, that went into the season. Is I think you know, I think Great House is ahead of schedule uh, as as a true freshman. But if you really want what you need at the wide receiver core, not only physically but like leadership wise, they need Jaden Thomas back, and they need him right away. Uh, Tobias Merriweather, interesting. We weren't asked that. Nobody nobody asked him about his hamstring issue that we've heard about, but. Marcus Freeman flat out said that during the bye week, they they're looking for ways to get the football to Tobias Merriweather. I mean, they only have so many weapons. He's got to be one of them. I, I like what Chris Tyree has done for Notre Dame this year. He's been it's, it's here's the best thing you can say about Chris Tyree. And it's a huge compliment. He's the only consistent guy this year. He, he came to play every single game. He has made a play in every single game, sometimes two. Now they're not, he's not a game breaking player all game long. He's a one big play guy and it's probably hard to do anything more with him, but 
if everybody were as consistent as Chris Tyree of the top four wide receivers, they would have one fewer loss, maybe two. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly why they need Thomas and Greathouse back. He, uh, Tyree's not a volume, uh, right. a volume receiver, uh, but he is giving them big plays, as you said. And they've been significant, man. And it's all, you know, like, oh, no, I don't want to diminish him at all. It's just the word seems like it's a backhanded compliment. It's not, he's been no, the consistent. But every, guy. but every game we say there's, there's Tyree's play. Uh, and in some instances, it's been a little bit more than that, but they need those guys back and they need them against Clemson. I don't care if Clemson is struggling. You, 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 you're still going to have to go to Clemson and play some of your best football to come away, come away from that game because well, they're not getting as, killed. They had they were close to Florida no. State. They had Miami. They were almost there with Duke. They're not. They're they're still a very viable upset threat, and it's going to be a it's going to be a short point spread. It's not going to be Notre Dame by four. No, absolutely no, absolutely not. You're. I mean, I agree with you exactly. And and uh, no, it's <laughs> yeah. I think it's unfortunate that if Notre Dame goes to Clemson and wins a football game, it's it's going to be an achievement, but it won't be it won't be viewed that way. And if it's a loss, good lord, we we. <laughs> We know the criticism that will that will ensue if that happens. Yeah, I think actually I take it I take it a different way, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here to end segment one. I think it'd be worse for Notre Dame if they're in the playoff hunt. The situation that's happening to Clemson. I don't think there's gonna be that much weight put into the Clemson game for the major six bowl. I just don't believe that the drilling down of everyone's resume at number 11, 12, and 13 is as intense as it is. Well, I know it's not as intense as it is at, at three, four, five, and six. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that if Notre Dame had one loss right now, you'd be look, you, people would have been really upset that Clemson lost. Notre Dame fans would be like, oh gosh, we needed that. I don't think you need it that much. I think you just need to run the table and have a couple teams lose. You do. You just, yeah, I, you know, regardless what their situation is, I don't know how good their quarterback play has been up to this point. Certainly not to the level I think that, that they expected with um, uh, with Lincoln Riley's brother as offensive coordinator there at, at, at Clemson, it's just been they're hard to watch. They, they're, <laughs> they, they really they're hard to watch. I told you I had a Power Five coach not from Notre Dame tell me. Well, he mentioned Notre Dame's receivers in the same breath as Clemson's, and that was not in a uh, in a good way, complimentary manner. No, Tim. Anything else from uh, from Marcus Freeman today that we should? We should hit Traery was 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 mentioned. Uh, I don't know if anything's definitive about how much he's going to play. He's played in in two games, so he's got leeway with two. Yes, it's three. Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. That's it's right. It's three games. Uh, yeah. Raritan has played in two. You and I have talked offline. If Eli Raritan can be targeted going forward, it's okay to keep playing him. He'll end up with seven games played. That's fine. If he's not, I would play Raritan four games. Because you're already using Cooper Flanagan, who's played seven or eight games. David Sherwood has played every game. They can they can block like Eli Raritan right now. I know David Sherwood can block like Eli, Eli Raritan right now. If, yeah. Now, if Raritan can help you in the passing game, but he has not been targeted yet. If he can help you in the passing game, fine. If not, I would hold him to four games because he lost a year last year in the worst way possible at game five. That stinks. Yeah, game, yeah, game five. And I think that they were just about ready to really start maybe getting them the football yeah. a little bit more and... That was that was really unfortunate. But uh, Tim, you also you asked about Jadari and Price uh, as well of Marcus Freeman. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've asked about Jeremiah Love. We know that Jabron Payne has a role that they are very comfortable with. He is the third down back. I mean, he gets he has more third down conversions than the rest of the running backs combined. Audrick Estime has not had one since Central Michigan. I found that out over the weekend when I was going through the 
stats. That's really weird that SMA doesn't have a third down convergence in central Michigan. Um, Payne is their third down guy. And we know why he gets, he gets lower than everybody else. He really does. He's, he's good at it. There aren't a lot of carries to go around. So I feel bad sometimes asking Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman this because we're like, why don't you play love and Tarium price? And they have Andre Kestime, who's but healthy is the guy. He does pretty well. Um, I just think Jadarian Price needs that. I'm not saying 10 carries, five carries a game like Jeremiah Love gets. You can, you can vary your offense a little because it, now, now we should not view him as a guy they have to bring along with kick gloves from his injury after that return. It just it doesn't make any sense. Five carries a game and one kickoff return a game. That He's got to be fine for that in November. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we always knew that playing five running backs – it's you know, hard. when you're when you're beating up on people, it's easy. But when you start to get into the meat of your schedule, he actually admitted it. He kind of for Marcus Freeman kind of forecasted. He said, "You know, we're not going to play five as the whole season yeah. goes along." It, it was a good story early on because you had those games where you could. I bet they were feeling out the running backs. Jabron Payne probably won that role in August and cemented it in September. He kept his role. Ford's a special teams guy more than anything else. I just thought you'd see more Price, and he's shown he can do it with the kickoff return. So I know his explosiveness is there. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Irish Illustrated's favorites are the Sam Hartman Vic- victory March T the script T and the retro long sleeve. Be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Notre Dame and see what we're talking about. There's also currently an exclusive football bundle, which includes a baseball tee, sweats, a hoodie, and more. It's the perfect gift for a fellow Irish fan or a perfect gift to treat yourself for being a loyal Nordane fan. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Irish Illustrated. Irish Illustrated gets you 15% off your first order. We know you're all wearing Nordane gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out Home Field Apparel. Their designs are super unique. And a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Homefield is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And again, use your code Irish Illustrated for 15% off your first order. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, 
Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Our first question is from Anon472623. Or if you were to have a weird football mind, that would be what Ned Bolkar, Daryl Pollard, and maybe Michael Jordan, Tim Priester, if you're looking at those numbers. Everyone agrees Notre Dame should have gotten a quarterback in the portal last year. They brought in Sam Hartman this year, and it appears most believe Notre Dame needs to hit the portal for a quarterback next year, too. When does this quote-unquote hamster wheel stop and Notre Dame goes with a Notre Dame recruited quarterback? Will Notre Dame ever be in position where QB already on the roster will have enough experience on the job? Experience I don't know. Is also in quotes for a reason because yes, they don't play. It yeah. is, and I don't. And that's why I was going to comment on Tim that I don't know that experience will be met after the twenty twenty four season. But I think after the twenty twenty four season, and again, we don't know. We don't know about the the quarterback roster at that point. But all things being equal, I would think at twenty twenty four, that's when they're going to say, "Okay, we're going to we're going to go with one of our developed." young quarterbacks and 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 let him play let him be the starter post 2024 you're saying after next year yes Yes. we yeah we're fairly certain they're going to get a court well they're they're going to try to get a quarterback in the portal we're fairly certain they'll get one when you have cj carr in the system for a year kenny minchie in the system for two years and potentially steve angeli one of those i mean one of those guys isn't going to be on the roster if they get a portal qb obviously but that's how the world works um you should be able to figure out then if if those are your quote unquote franchise quarterbacks since we're using air quotes. And then Deuce Knight comes in. Look, if Deuce Knight comes in and CJ Carr hasn't starting over Kenny Minchie, then which one of those three is it? It's it's that yeah. is the hamster yeah. wheel is quarterbacks have always transferred. It has only a little bit to do with the current landscape. They always will transfer if they don't play. Well, it's getting, it, it's getting hard to not look for a transfer quarterback because you want to be experienced at, the position. And if you're a place like Notre Dame, you can probably keep going out and, and landing and right. at least a fairly experienced quarterback. Let's go ahead and throw Joe Ty's uh, question here, Tim, in the last podcast, you mentioned that you believe the staff will look at the portal for a quarterback, any names on who that quarterback would be. I know Pratt and Leonard are going to keep popping up, but it's worth noting. I don't think any of us said Sam Hartman in October of 2022. We did in December, but I don't think we did in October. I'd love to go back and look when somebody asked us about, can Hartman translate to ND with the slow mesh offense? And our response was, well, he wouldn't run the slow mesh offense at ND, so we think he can. Um, I just don't think he was anywhere near the radar. But there is a thin needle you have to, or needle to thread? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to say. A needle to thread. There I go. Because he's got to be a guy that can't go pro that easily, but could easily come in and win the job at Notre Dame and and, and go win at Kyle Field, which is an issue. You have to go to A&M to start the season August 31st. Yeah. And, you know, we talked, I mean, we talked a lot about Michael Pratt last year. And yes, he was talked about in in October last year. Yes, he was. And we knew that he was on Notre Dame's radar. Now, does he, does he go pro after this year? He, He stuck around. Um. He led Tulane on the game-winning drive over the weekend, uh, scored on a 20-some-yard run for the, the the game-winning score. I like his game. Um, I, I I mean, I, I, I like the way the ball comes off his hand. He's agile. He's a runner. 
and he's, he has a ton of experience. I realize he hasn't played against some of the best competition. And when he played against USC in a bowl game last year, that the defense had just cashed it in and he was dicing them. He was slicing them up. Yeah. So he's a good quarterback. Riley Leonard. And it seems like a lot of people aren't sold on Riley Leonard, the thrower. And I, you know, I realize that his, his completion percentage isn't really high, but man, when I watch him, I don't see a guy that's lacking a whole lot in the passing game. I think and he's I, lacking NFL passing ability, but that's not, a, that's not what the deal is. No, so. Probably, probably true. And I think I was looking at the questions and, uh, or, or somebody made a comment on our board about, you know, I don't, I don't think Pratt's as good as Hartman. Well, you may not, <laughs> you may not get a guy as good as Hartman. I, that, that, I mean, that can't always be the standard that you're going to get, you know, the ACC all-time leader in touchdown passes or whatever right. stats he's, he's in front of. But, I mean, I like Michael Pratt. Again, he was a name that was on the list last year. I presume that he would be on the list now again. Um, would Notre Dame be looking at, you know, Notre Dame talks about when it comes to transfers a guy that's been in college for a year or a guy that's a grad transfer. Those are the easiest to bring into Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't know who some of those younger quarterbacks would be. And I, I'm not down. I, I, that, that feels different to me than the Sam Hartman, no, Michael Pratt, Jack Cohn thing. I, I like that to win you games and hopefully while you'll develop your quarterbacks, but you're not developing all four of these quarterbacks. When I say Angeli, Minchie, Carr, and Deuce Knight, it, yeah, you're really it didn't putting, happen in the nineties. It's not going to happen now. And you're putting your quarterbacks in a, that's a tough situation now because, yeah, you know, a name that comes to mind for me is Chris Vizina at, at, at Clemson, because is Klubnik going to be the starter for another two years? Probably, you know, so who knows what's, and I, I don't have any Intel on that, but, when you think of young quarterbacks that had an interest in Notre Dame, I, I, I'm totally speculating on this. Yeah, okay? it's harder to talk. My only point of contention there is harder to, to at all calm down the CJ Carr, Kenny Minchie, Steve Angeli triumvirate with bringing in Chris Vizina than it no, is bringing I agree. a one year guy. I agree. Yeah. I realize the reaction to that when people hear the name, but I was just thinking, okay, what young quarterbacks? Mm -hmm. And he was the first one that came to mind. There's somebody else. And I can't remember who it is right now, but um, yeah, they've got, they're looking. Um, and as we said in, in the podcast last week on Thursday, we expect, expect Nordame to go out and try to find and land a transfer quarterback to take over in 2024. And then from there, then you rely on your, on the recruiting because you've done pretty it's picked well. Up. It's picked yeah. up. That's why yes, you're like, it, really it really has. Next question, Martin Evenflow. How much production can realistically be expected from Jaden Thomas, Tobias Merriweather, and Deion Colsey for the remainder of the season? Well, I mean, we talked about this in segment one. From Jaden Thomas, a lot. Yep. I mean, a lot. I think, you know, if he's healthy for the last four regular season games, there should be 20 targets there. Yeah. Jaden Thomas, first four games, nine gains of at least 10 yards in four games, and 10 first downs earned um Jaden Greathouse five in the first three games he didn't have one curiously against Central Michigan oh yeah no he had well, a couple more against Ohio State so seven in the first five games in terms of large gains and seven eight no eight first downs I mean 
those are guys that can make plays. Now, Tobias Merriweather, I think if in four games, if you get two big plays, that's great. And if you get one first down a game, that's realistic. Yeah. Jaden Thomas, and I know it was against Navy and Tennessee State, but in the first two games, he was targeted eight times and had eight catches. Yeah, someone's got to make plays against those teams, too. You throw to the guys, and they make plays. That's he, yeah. He's a quality player when he's healthy. Right. Then he was 0 for 4 against NC State. Then he had four catches on six or se- um, four catches on six targets against Central Michigan. And that's when the hamstring issue really came into play, and he hasn't been able to do anything of, of real note since then. But, I, you know, I mean, I expect Jaden Thomas – to be targeted 20 times in the last four games of the, the regular season. Tobias Merriweather, based upon what Marcus Freeman said today, they still want to try to get him the football. And then based upon what he said about Colsey today, he may be shut down. Yeah, I don't I don't see Colsey doing a lot in the regular season. Um I mean, maybe I with the extra with the extra bye week, then he would be more ready for Wake Forest and that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. He's got three weeks before Wake Forest. He's also played four games. I think it's good for Deion Colsey's Notre Dame career and graduate career to play four games this year. We have to yep. find out if he can play that fifth bowl game. I feel I feel so weird that I can't figure it out if that was a one-year rule or not. That's a mission. We're going to find out if the fifth game count, the bowl game counts, if the bowl game no longer counts against your eligibility like last year when it didn't. I don't think it should because it's it's combating the transfer portal. That's the whole point. Easier if players not play because they're transferring out of your program. So your reserve players should be allowed to play in the bowl game. So I think it is a new rule that yeah. has to stick. If it, if it hasn't been for one year, it should be extended. Um, Cause you're always going to lose starters, which is just weird to lose a starter because it's December 1st. No, I hear you. And somebody asked a question about, well, Hey, what, you know, why don't some of these players skip into the regular season games that are, that are blowouts and that will start happening more and more now as well. Question from Jay Pidel 10 is Tobias Merriweather having a sophomore slump like Lorenzo styles last year, or is this actually what progress looks like compared to last year? In other words, has he shown more capability previously, but regressed this year, or has he simply not been good all along and he's only making incremental improvement thus far? That's asking that that they want a, a very specific yeah, yeah. breakdown of how he has progressed in two seasons. I it's hard to answer this from last year because we were in the group of that Tobias Merriweather was not gonna help Notre Dame that much had he played more. Now I think he might have helped a little bit. I think uh concussion set him back. It was a bad one in November. I just take Lorenzo Styles out of it because Lorenzo Styles, I think, had mentally checked out a little bit of playing for Notre Dame during times last year. I don't, I don't think Tobias Merritt or others doing that. I think he's trying, trying to put it together. Um, I think it's just incremental improvement, and he's not as good as I thought he was entering the season because I thought he would be a guy that would catch 30 balls like Lorenzo Styles, only probably averaging 15 yards a catch to make a major difference in the offense. And that's not there. Now, we did hear from other people in August that uh, that notion was inaccurate. Yeah, that I was that I was wrong. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think when. I think maybe when Tobias Merriweather impressed Notre Dame the most was in. Like the summer of. Oh, yeah, the priest, we thought he would. When everybody was wondering why he wasn't playing in September, because he did, he looked good of 22. You're right, of his freshman year. But that's when you forgive a lot of stuff, too, when you're a coach. 
No, oh no, so, yeah, summer ball. Yes, it's just even August camp. Well, you forgive some. You're like, oh, this guy's going to be a player because he's so athletic. And he now remember he did not have a great camp when we were there this year. Period. End of story. We did not see every practice, but when we watched, he did not have a great camp. No, dropped some back shoulder passes and didn't look very good. First of all, you can't have a sophomore slump if you weren't good as a freshman. Right. Lorenzo Styles was good as Lorenzo a freshman. Lorenzo Styles was good as a freshman. Tobias Merriweather was good for a 41-yard touchdown against against Stanford. And that was, you know, that was in the midst of the the concussion period of time for him as well. And so like he just hasn't, I mean, I don't, you know, whatever phrasing you want to put on it. He hasn't been as good as as uh, we thought he was going to be. I think the Nordim coaching staff still sees just the the sheer athletic ability and potential there. Well, look at the guy. I mean, but, he, no, I know. I like just, when he had the when he had the long touchdown against Central Michigan. Do you see that guy in his full stride? It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. But you know, I talk about football toughness and having. Having football toughness is not an easy thing. Not everybody. Yeah. Not everybody he needs confidence. Good. He needs some confidence. Something has to. Confidence is well. not good. His, uh, oh, I can't say body language. That's right. Okay. Uh, but I bet your Freeman's body language is a lot better against USC than it was against Louisville. <laughs> All the body language was great in that game as opposed to the other game. Yeah. Question from Irish from A2. Which Nordame opponent results? Are you most surprised by this year? I guess Clemson. Um, I, I figured they'd have a loss at this point, but not three. So technically Clemson, probably the way they're just, they just don't, they just didn't improve on offense though, either. You know, that was, that was one major thing for me. So Clemson would be the biggest surprise. Um, I mean, Louisville was always set to be undefeated before they got Notre Dame. They just, I did not think they would beat Notre Dame. That was, that was set up for the whole year. Yeah. USC was set up to be undefeated for Notre Dame too the whole time. Those these were like always going to happen. Duke is tough because Notre Dame beat them in the last play of the game and injured their quarterback, so it directly affected their Florida State game. That's Duke has done a great job. I did not think Duke would beat Clemson, so there's some combination of Duke and Clemson here. Yeah, I thought <clears throat> I thought Brennan Armstrong would make NC State's offense a little bit more viable, uh, but that that certainly hasn't happened. He's regressed. I mean, I would I would agree agree with Clemson because I I I thought they were going to have a bounce back year after yeah back to back three losses. Not be undefeated right now, but but one loss probably was the they're a type of team that would lose a game in this. You know their offensive line, it just never seems to get good. Um, Even their eighteen team was that was nowhere near the rest of. The, I mean, they're fine, but there was nowhere near the rest of the talent on that team. I mean, Shipley's a better running back than what we've seen, but. When you don't have, when you're not running behind a quality offensive line, that's what happens. The receiving core is not. I thought it would be better. I like Bull Collins, but I don't know what I don't know what yeah. how huge his numbers are. And then, I mean, I you know it, it's it's just them. Stanford we knew would struggle. Wake Forest, you know, they lost Sam Hartman. They made a transition. Yeah. I almost uh, had no thoughts on them. <laughs> Wake Forest coming into the year because they lost Sam Hartman. They were lost. You know, Pittsburgh won nine games. Pittsburgh won 20 games in the last two years. But yeah, their losses were really substantial. Um on especially on the defensive side of the football. They had, they were without three offensive linemen 
in the loss to um was that the Louisville loss or no, I think it was Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech. They got blown out by Virginia Tech. And I didn't expect them to be this bad. I didn't expect not them this to- bad. No, I didn't oh. expect them to be good, but not this bad. Oh. I think we all thought Jerkovic would, right. would perform a little bit better. Although I did have the backup quarterback coming in against Notre Dame, so I guess I suppose I had them going yeah, somewhere. But I didn't, line. You didn't know who it was, did you? No, I had no idea who it would be. I just <laughs> figured it wouldn't be Phil Jerkovic. Analytics told me. I actually the way he plays too puts you in a little bit of yep. Yeah, yeah well, his body too. You yeah. Thinking you were thinking injury as opposed. I was to thinking ineffectiveness, injury, like he can't go. Same as Boston College. Then he could write a memoir about why he doesn't like Notre Dame before the Pittsburgh yeah. game too, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Next from Scott twenty four one hundred five with Luke Talich, a full time special teams player. Do you see him on scholarship next season? And what do you see as his floor as a player? Is he a free safety or strong safety? Uh, and Talich, I believe, him has played seven games, so he is lettered. Yeah, I, I think we've been impressed with everything we've seen from him, both on special teams and what we saw in August. Uh, we fully expect him to be placed on scholarship next year in 2024. I think he's earned that. I see him more as a free safety than a strong safety, but I don't know exactly what their plans are with him. I struggle with the. I seem to struggle with the floor ceiling part. I mean, floor is. Full-time. He's a reserve player for his yeah, I mean, full time and a full-time special teams player, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I think he will emerge how soon. I don't know. There's, there's going to be a need next year, especially if Xavier Watts. I hope play. there's not, I hope that I hope we know the starting safeties next year and Luke Talich is a reserve going into his second year. Yeah, but he has such, he has great length, great maneuverability. He's a player. I, I, I I think there's an excellent chance that he becomes a starter at Notre Dame. I don't know exactly when. I don't think it'll be next year, though. I, I think Notre Dame will have. I mean, Adon is a good player, too, that will be healthy going to next year. Uh, you figure Antonio Carter, the second. Yes. Is in the rotation. If Ramon Henderson wants to stay, he definitely has a spot for his his fifth year. Does he have a... Why am I blanking? Does he have a COVID year? Did he come in 2020? Yeah, he did come in 2020, along mm-hmm. with Caleb Offord and Kellerance Lewis, Ramon Henderson. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he has two years left. Yeah. Might could be the next DJ Brown. Yeah, it needs to be more productive. He's not as productive as DJ Brown. I, I, if he could be as productive as. as That's D- true. DJ Brown in his senior year, his real senior year, had three picks. Yeah. yeah. Next from Kay Beasley, saw some recent draft rankings, including Mitchell Evans. Do you think he would consider leaving? What other players are maybe thinking about an NFL evaluation? Can we talk about this? We we did. Um, Evans, I asked this question too many weeks ago for it to matter anymore. I, the feedback I got would he would not be considered leaving, but then he had two more really good games. So that must have been post-Duke. Yeah, because breakout was Ohio State, then Duke, and now he just keeps playing well. Um, I don't think Mitchell Evans would necessarily be ready to go I think he could develop more at Notre Dame for one more year, whereas Audric estimates should 100% start getting paid for getting hit. Absolutely. Uh, guys that will ask for an evaluation, and again, we think that the limit is five. It used and, to be. I don't know if it's changed, but it definitely used to be. Yep. Uh, probably Xavier Watts on the heels of la- yeah. uh, two weeks ago, the performance. Riley Mills on a basis for his progress in the last month. Chris Tyree, I would, right. I'm would. i guessing. Um Maris Leofau would would probably yeah. be interested in in being evaluated by the NFL. Estimate too. I mean, if he wants it, he's got to give it to him. He's your yeah. top. I, I mean, I don't know how to say he's your top. Pro- he's not your top prospect, but he's your 
he's a guy that deserves it. If you if he wants one, he does. He's yeah, earned it the right to have one. Uh, yeah, that's tough. If there's only five, because there's some, especially with like. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, I did. Did I? Did we mention Blake Fisher yet? I don't know. No. You know, Blake Fisher's not ready for the NFL, but no. he would probably ask for an NFL evaluation. Cam Hart wouldn't bother asking in his six. You know, in a, as a fifth yep. year guy, not coming back for a six. Howard Cross could ask. I just think he'll go pro. Yeah, he should just. Uh, he should. He should go in pro. the best interest of Howard Cross, he should just go. Right. Totally agree. I mean, I don't, you know, what's the NFL going to tell him that he doesn't already know about his game? Yeah, I think he'll go pro. I just, uh, if he asks for one, you kind of got to grant it too. It's it's tough if there's only five, but we're going by five because Brian Kelly said it once and then Ian Book echoed it. And that made me think that Kelly wasn't just making stuff up. Every once in a while, just make stuff up. But I don't think if Ian Book, Ian Book, I, if our readers or listeners don't know this, after Ian Book's first year when in the playoffs i didn't even ask him about the nfl and he somehow brought it up at the playoff open press conference and i was like what yeah this just come out of here but you've played nine games but he wanted to be evaluated and he could not be because they already had five names and i also thought that might have been smart by brian kelly saying oh we can't evaluate you sorry you gotta come back (laughs) (laughs) and i I mean you understand why they put a limit because there the guy there would be a dozen guys from every Jeez. Yeah. Run out of people to evaluate them. So there has to be a limit. Uh, we think it's five. Question from Indy Fan08. There are reports out there saying that Nordane men's hoops beat Xavier Sunday in a secret scrimmage. Are you guys ready to flip last week's predictions from five conference wins to final four? Five plus conference wins. I maintain a couple things. If you play defense really hard and try really hard, as Micah Shrewsbury absolutely promised me, or actually promised everybody at the last press conference, you can win a few games. And number two, the ACC is not good, and we're not used to that yet. And if Georgia Tech could win six games last year with that junk, Notre Dame can win five or six games this year. Sheer effort, Tim. Effort, defense, and hard cutting. I'm sold. <laughs> well, we probably will see that. I don't know how well it will be executed. In yeah, terms of the, execution the, is the key. Yes, it is, it is, regardless <laughs> of the sport. Um, so they did have this scrimmage. I mean, secret. It's behind closed doors. It's it's meant to. It's intended for that. It isn't something that is supposed to be publicized. We hear that Marcus Burton played pretty well. Um, well, if they won, somebody had to do well. Yeah, they, yeah <laughs> no, they, they, they apparently won. But, again, you need to see that. Xavier, apparently Xavier's big men were, were out in sideline, which is which will be a real albatross for Notre Dame this year when they go uh, up against some teams with with size. So, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. I know you're just joking, Andy Fan 08, when you say final four bound. I do want to say something. That I was being really flippant last week and just said that Nordic Bassett, I used the word stink. That's that's totally unfair for me to say. I haven't even seen them practice. Right. They stunk last year. That's fair to say. Yeah, they stunk last year. And that's really unfair for me to just throw that out there without having had a chance to evaluate them. Now, I don't think they're going to be very good. And I don't think they're going to win very many games just because they don't have enough personnel. But the things that you said, Tim, about effort and defense and playing more, but did you say play more bodies? I no, mean, but that's I, true too. No, I think that, that will happen as well. I, you just hope that they're semi-competitive so that 
you know, they don't have a great, they have a difficult start. And I'm not saying I have evaluated South Carolina and Auburn and Georgetown and Marquette, but I just named those teams in the non-conference. And normally it's central Michigan. You're worrying about that, you know, is the team that could maybe come in seventh in the Mac and you worry about them. This is, these are power five teams are going to have to be able to beat. And it's just going to take so long to gel. I noticed Coach Shrewsbury didn't really answer my question when he said it was a good question. When I read it back, <laughs> I asked him about how he could find his rotation in November to get him in through December, you know, into conference season. But I, I think he doesn't know his rotation yet. That's great. I, I It's going to change. It will be fun to watch a team that they're not going to roll with six guys. They can't. They have to play a different way. They have to play. He might. He won't end up playing all 10 all year. No one probably does that. But if he has rotating guys where, you know, someone's not playing well and he's not in the lineup anymore, that would be refreshing for Notre Dame fans after the last few years. We'd like to at least see eight if that's feasible. You'd also it is like feasible. To... We are brainwashed, Tim. It well, is feasible. It is. Well, I'm well, positive no, be... teams do it. <laughs> no, I, I know, but it'd be nice to have 13 scholarship players. You only have 10. <laughs> it's true, too. Man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Maybe he will play 10. That's all they could throw out there. Like, you know, if eight play all the time, that so 80% is uh, of the group are producing, that. That's a little high. Yeah. <laughs> well, they need it. No, they, they, they need it. I just, you know, they need to get to the point where it's regularly 12 or 13 scholarship players. So you can, you can simulate, simulate what you need in practice and, and, and get better. We have a question from beast Texan. What's the more painful loss now, Ohio state or Louisville who lost to a one and four Pittsburgh team. I don't know how to rate this. Cause I feel like if Notre Dame beat Ohio state, they would somehow diminish. Ohio State <laughs> once they lose to Michigan or something along those lines. Uh, the Louisville loss kind of waylaid the season. So I think that's the more painful loss. If they would have beaten Duke, Louisville, and USC, Notre Dame would be ranked eight, eight, seven. Well, you got to, fa- I mean, you factor in Ohio State is your only loss when you had nine or 10, nine, nine guys on the field. You had 10 guys on the field and you lost by one at the end on the last play or lost by three, whatever, on the last play. That's, that's a top seven yeah. Notre Dame team right now. No, you're right. I, I would call, I think the I think the Ohio State loss is more painful because it hurts so you much. Should have won. Yes. And you shouldn't yes. have won against Louisville. That that's just that's my great perspective point. on it. You didn't deserve to win Louisville. You did you, deserve to beat Ohio State. You're right. You deserve that's to beat Ohio switch. State until the last three minutes. You'd be ranked lower though, your way, but you're correct. Would would they? I think so. The Louisville loss was just so gross. Though they didn't fall as much as I thought they would when that happened. They fell from, what, 10 to 21? And they're back up to 14? That's 21, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ohio State. I know I took the Ohio State loss harder than I did. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, Louisville just looked like they didn't belong in the conversation anymore. Where Ohio State, they were great. As one Power 5 coach said, assistant coach said to me, you had a chance. You had a chance to beat the worst Ohio State team in the last twenty years, and you didn't do it. I don't know. If that, that's that's an exact. Of course, that's, that's a wild that's exaggeration, but it is funny. But, but that's kind of how I looked at that. You know, you you every every Notre Dame fan that walked out of that stadium felt like you should have won that football game. Yes, where, you're correct. You're actually you're, you have the right no, answer. I was wrong. You're looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. I, I get it. I get Similar it. here is Statman. After watching Ohio State shut down Penn State, ugh, 
gosh, by the way, that that offended my delicate sensibilities. He did not say that I did. Should we feel better about Notre Dame's offensive performance against the Buckeyes after watching Utah against USC? Should we feel worse about Notre Dame's offensive performance against the Trojans? I hadn't read that question yet, and that was well-worded, Statman. That's funny. Yeah, Statman's always on top of things. I don't know how to answer that question. It's uh, Penn State was awful. Uh, uh, Mike Yursich, do you know who that is? You told me today at the press conference. Yeah, that's the offensive coordinator for Penn State. I would I bet, that, that. I bet you that message board. What's their what's it called? The Nittany Lion Layer or something? <laughs> I bet you they fired a lot of people that day. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. And you know, when you don't, when there's no rooting interest or no, you know, you you look at it and it's like, my goodness. And you know, I what did I I texted you about what what Lou Samoji? I can hear Lou Samoji saying we could have, as far as Drew Eller. We could have had him. That was always a that was always a phrase that we used. <laughs> you know, when it, when like you recruit a kid and you lost, yeah. and you didn't recruit, we could have had him. That was always the comment that he would make, and that, and a lot of people were saying that about Drew Eller prior to Saturday. It was bad to watch that offense, that whole thing. It's like there was a, I I put it on Monday musings. It's like there was a thirty mile an hour headwind at their face the entire time, oh, and it was raining. Got- Kyle McCord wasn't exactly stellar through that whole game either. No, no, it was not a great. Yeah, look, great two great, de- uh, two great defenses, and we yes, knew, yes. we knew it was going to be that kind of low-scoring game. I just didn't like Penn State's approach, but now I, we're getting into <laughs> now we're getting into what everybody tells us about Notre Dame's approach. So maybe well, maybe I we're think, a, a, yeah. I think green. I think the attitude when you're Penn State was as long as you as long as we're within a score, we don't want to do anything. Yeah. To make it a two-score deficit, you know. It was, make- I think the attitude was also don't lose, and that's hard to watch when you don't care about the game. You just want to see something more well, fun. That's yeah. how Notre Dame played against Ohio State last year. Good point. Irish and they gambler. didn't really have much choice. No, they did not last year, as we know very well now. <laughs> Irish gambler. I believe ten of the last thirteen Notre Dame Pittsburgh games have had a final score within one possession. What with Notre Dame favored by seventeen and a half, will Narduzzi try to keep Notre Dame one-dimensional and make Sam Hartman beat them through the air? Yes. Yes. We'll yeah. talk about more of that Irish gambler on Thursday because the answer is yes. I mean, I, was, I, I think we were prepared to answer yes to that before we heard, before we talked to Marcus Freeman today. And I think, I mean, I think that he's kind of, he's saying that they, they got, they have to run. They have to try to run. You can't just throw it all over the yard. And yet he's, he also indicated that they're going to have to go deep a little bit too. But yeah, I think, you know, Marcus Freeman keeps saying that you got to run. You got to be able to run when you when you want to run. And I think, frankly, I think that they can. I I, I think they can run against them. Wake Forest did. Wake Forest yeah. had 172 yards rushing and was clipping off six and seven on a regular basis this past weekend. You're gonna regret those words on Saturday instant analysis post game Tim Brewster, but that's well, okay. Yep. What I saw is what I saw. Uh, yeah, I, but I, I thought it was interesting where Freeman said we're seeing guys talking about self-scout. We're going to see extra guys in the box. People are going to challenge us yep. to make plays downfield. So they have to. 17 and a half. O'Malley, you are all over this. Hell, I'm just going on the un- I'm just doing the un- <laughs> I mean, they could win 24 to six, <laughs> but that's it. They're not. That's the problem. I mean, they could win 24 to six, but 17 well, and a half is crazy. I'm going yeah, under. Hey, Pittsburgh is going to have a real difficult yes. time scoring against Notre Dame. 24 to 6 doesn't sound like you covered, but you sure did. 
That's a, you know, that's a workable score. The, the, <laughs> 45, what is it? 45 and a half. 45 and a half. Yeah. And a half? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't go that far under, but uh, were you surprised to see 17 and a half? Uh, I would have thought 14 and a half, I guess, but they have been bad this year, Pittsburgh. No, they have. And they're average, they're average, they're all in three on the road. They've yeah. lost by 17 and, their average margin of loss is, is double figures. So that would, that would only make sense. And this is not a, I wouldn't call it a typical pit defense. We've already talked about that, about the pass rush from the D line. I, you know, I like, I really like um, the shields, the kid that got the, that was concussed Saturday against Wake Forest. I think he's a really good linebacker and their two, their two corners are really, really good. AJ Woods is all over the field and Devin yeah. Devonshire gets beat a little bit more, but I mean he's he's pressing at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they dare you. They they dare you. I just thought seventeen and a half, considering Notre Dame's offense was a little high, but I think that reflects just how poor Pittsburgh's offense is probably going to play against Notre Dame's defense. Yes, that's a bad matchup. That is by far the worst matchup in the game, and it's a big one because they have the ball half yeah. the time. So that's that's a terrible matchup. Last question for this uh, October 23rd, Monday from ND615. What was your favorite game that you were able to watch over the bye week? What team besides Notre Dame do you think would most enjoy that you would most enjoy covering this year based upon their style, personnel, and schedule? I have three. Um, the Bears versus the Patriots on <laughs> Sunday at 1 p.m. It was a very difficult victory. Uh, we played down to our competition. However, pulled it out to finish undefeated. That's number three. Number two was the Raiders against the Broncos in the semifinals. And that was a deflected two-point conversion attempt to save the game. I have to give credit to the Broncos, who we beat by about 28 points of the regular season for coming back and playing that hard and going for two in the win, Tim Priester with like no time left. I was like, Oh boy, that was the semifinal. Uh, the pass was deflected by a Freeman. I should point out. And also the championship game of the Raiders versus the giants. And I did not know the giants were going to bring Harrison Smith to play with them, but he was a problem for us. 26, 20 victory interception in the end zone. And that would be the team I would play. That's the team I would take the Raiders. Do people know what I'm talking about now? Probably not, but. That was my uh, son's like football teams, and we had a lot of close games this weekend. Tim Priester, yeah, yeah. I, I you said you covered the spread in the second game. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, because I'm not sure we were favored, even though we were undefeated. We were an undefeated that team, but that if I think the analytics favored the Giants going in, their offense was something else. Okay, well, I think the question might just might have involved. Uh, the college games that were played. Oh, I did not like the college games I watched. That's why I oh, went with the pro, like the pro games I watched. That's what yeah, I was going are, to say. I mean, I was, I was so looking forward to the Ohio State-Penn State game, and I watched it all, and it was ugly. And I was very much looking forward to Pittsburgh-Wake Forest because Pittsburgh's the next opponent, and Wake Forest is down the road. That wasn't very good football. Um, by nighttime, I didn't get a whole – I didn't get a huge chance to see USC-Utah, but that went – just about the way Utah expects it to go these days. Yeah, wow. Do you know they had a Who's Your Daddy chant to Caleb Williams? Really? Yeah, it's on stand. <laughs> it's three times. 
they got him three times. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. But the the team that I think would I, I don't know a lot about because I haven't seen them a lot, other than I know that they're really good and really well coached, and probably have the Heisman Trophy winner right now at quarterback. Uh, I think I I think covering Washington would be a whole lot of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I wish I had watched and tuned in more to the NC to the North Carolina game because that was high drama. Losing to human nature was very high drama, right? There. I did. I, I and actually I saw a good portion of that. And uh, I mean, you could just I, like I felt watching it at North Carolina. They're going to. They're not going to come up with a play to win. They're just not going to do it. Because it just felt that way the whole. It did game. feel that way. That it's it was a strange. It was just strange. so I wasn't expecting. I know it's Drake May, and I love, you know, Drake May. That certainly hurt his Heisman candidacy. Uh, Virginia's. I mean, maybe Virginia's improved over last year, but see, this is why they just don't played well, man. Sometimes you play don't well. Be surprised when right. these things happen in college football. The game is. I, like it sounds too simplistic to just say, well, that's college football, but it's football in general. It always has been football. It always has been college football. Yes, it just it, played it, down. It has. I, you know, the Niners are a lot better than the Browns. You could see that one coming after they killed yeah, the well, Cowboys. You know, it's, it's when I when I was a kid, there were fewer halves than there are now. I mean, yes, tell yeah. it wasn't spread around the way it is now. A, a, a great player can end up anywhere now. A, a group of players can end up at any one power five conference team. So, you know, there, we just shouldn't be surprised there. There, there were, <laughs> there were a lot of games we were looking forward to Saturday that didn't live up to it. Well, the Ohio state really took a lot of starch out of the day yeah. for me. I was, that yeah. was my, that was my block too, to not have to do anything. And I was just sitting there mad at the football gods. Like, what is this? I mean, this is no wonder people make fun of big 10 football. Sometimes I was like, this is terrible. Now I get it. Imagine what I mean. Yeah, no, I'm going to choose Washington would be a team that I would like. Iowa would not be a team that I Can you imagine covering <laughs> Iowa every week? The over-under was 30, Tim. Oh, my God. <laughs> or 30 and a half, probably. But that's awesome. That's And it was way under. Way under. Yeah, well, this is going to be a, a heavy Pittsburgh Panther week. we got to jump on it today. I, I wrote for those that uh, are subscribers, I wrote a piece today. Having having watched the Panthers over the weekend, just giving you an idea of what what it would take for Notre Dame to avoid a, an upset. I don't expect an upset. I don't think you do either, Tim. I don't know, but I but I think this might be one of those. It could be an ugly ugly game that would have fit in really well um, for this past weekend yes, on October. I expect 25th. Irish Illustrated overtime to have some angst ridden fans over. I yeah, like I would them. imagine so. Well, we'll be there for that game. Uh, it looks like night games are done for the season. Maybe Is Stanford for the people here on the East Coast, but that would be a five o'clock for us probably on the West Coast. Yeah, so we catch a break after four straight. Until next time, which will be Thursday on October 26th, we expect Pete Sampson to join us then. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. <laughs>